0: How are you guys doing? Good. Good to be with you. If you were here with us last week, welcome back. If you are new, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Uh, My name is Jordan Howell. I'm on staff here with Salt Company, and I wanted to come at you first with a couple announcements. Number one, uh, we do this thing around Salt Company every now and then called a late night. Anybody heard of it before? Raise your hand. Yeah. Here's what it is. We get the opportunity to stay after Salt Company Eat sugary cereal we do a cereal bar uh, it's upstairs and we talk about other things that we don't always have the time to talk about from stage so uh, next week we're talking about how should a Christian engage with technology and social media what does that look like? as we look at the Bible, what does the Bible teach us about how we engage with technology or social media so I just want to put that on your radar, plan to stay late next week, drink an extra cup of coffee before you come, it's going to be a great time. Lastly, uh, there's this thing called the Salt Company Conference, yes, you are not going to want to miss out, it is February 18th to the 20th, and here's what it is. Our network of churches, our network of college ministries, joining together in Des Moines, Iowa for a weekend of worshiping Jesus and having a freaking blast together. You're going to love it. Uh, it is currently $70 to attend, and here's the issue. The price goes up February 1st. So this is the last Thursday night that we have together to register for 70 bucks. and here's what we're going to do, all right? If you register before midnight tonight, And you come back next week, you can win this. This is a crisp Benji, all right? One hana. We're going to hook you up. So if you want the opportunity to take this money out of my hand next week, you need to register before midnight tonight, all right? And here's what I'm telling you. If you have 70 bucks, register for 70 bucks. If you can honestly look me in the face and say, There is a snowball's chance in hell that I can afford $70 to go to conference. Don't let money get in the way. Just be humble, come up to me, and say, hey, I really can't swing $70, but I could give you $30. And I'd be like, dope, we'll find a way to get you there, all right? We belong to a church that wants to just invest in the next generation, do what they can to get you there. So don't let money get in the way. Register for conference before midnight tonight. Sound good? love it. All right. We are kicking off. We're still in our satisfied series. You'll see the graphic. Last week was week one. We talked about love. Everybody loves love or at least loves the idea of it. So we looked at Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. I got out the whiteboard, kind of drew the quadrant for you. And love is this. It is actually hearing the truth and experiencing a ridiculous amount of grace. And so as we saw in Ephesians 2.10, we see the truth of the matter is, you and me have a fatal disease It's called sin, and it leaves us desperate for help. We need a Savior, praise be to God, in his great love with which he loved us, he extended mercy, not giving us what we deserved, and grace, giving us what we don't deserve. Jesus died in our place so that we don't have to die in, for our sin. And much more than that, his love doesn't just leave us in our broken state. It restores us into relationship with him. So that's what we talked about last week, love, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And tonight we are going to be talking about belonging. And you might have figured this out already. These two are pretty closely connected, right? Connected to what it means to be loved is also a sense of what it means to belong. And uh, I want to give you guys time, I did this last week, to answer a couple questions. A couple simple questions. You could answer it in one. What does it mean to you to belong? What does it mean to belong? Go ahead and write it down. Type it out in notes on your phone. Or if you want to think of it this way, what, it, what does the word belonging look like to you? What does it mean to belong or what does belonging look like? I took it to Merriam-Webster Dictionary and Oxford Dictionary because I'm really not that intelligent on my own. Um, The word belonging means close or intimate relationship. Or the word belong is to be a member or a part of. To be a member or a part of. And as I've thought about belonging, I think... Like most things in life, we end up falling in a ditch. We overcorrect one way or we overcorrect another. And I've thought about it like this. In one ditch, your sense of belonging is found by conformity. You find people that look like you, talk like you, act like you, like the same things you like. And if you can't find many of them, you conform to them. You start to dress like them and talk like them and act like them. And this is what most of us would call our friends, right? It's fun. We like being together. We all like very similar things. But here's the deal. Though it's fun, it's temporary. Because people change. People move. People graduate. And your friend group is going to drastically change from time to time. You will have a very few amount of friends that last for a lifetime. That's just a matter of fact. But on the other side of belonging is maybe the opposite of fun, but it's long-lasting. And here's what it is. It is a shared identity. It's this idea of, yeah, we share a family name. I belong to the Howell family, and it's long-lasting, but maybe it's not that fun. (laughs) Maybe it's filled with people that are difficult and in many ways might annoy me. Anybody with that? Yeah, come on. That can be family, where it's like, yo, I love you, but I don't like you. Uh, You know, we got differences, and it's going to take a while uh, for us to figure this thing out. But belonging is actually meant to be more than one or the other. Belonging is meant to be more than just liking each other for a short amount of time or putting up with each other because of our differences. And so that's where we're going tonight. We're going to open up our Bibles. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, go ahead, open back up to Ephesians 2. Uh, we're going to pick off, pick up where we left off a little bit from last week um, in Ephesians 2. So last week we covered the first 10 verses, already kind of summed that up. We're sinners, Jesus is a great savior because of the great love with which he loved us, we respond to live for him. And then in verse 11, the word of God says this, therefore, in light of the good news of Jesus Christ, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, what is called, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. "...by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him, Jesus Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father." So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. This letter was written to a group of people in Ephesus that were greatly divided. Anybody understand what it means to live in a divided world? Anybody? We know what it's like, right? And this time it was based oftentimes strictly upon religion. You are a Jew, you are a non Jew, otherwise called a Gentile. And the Jews were seen to be the people of Israel, the people of God, people who were near to God and had religious favor. The temple where they got to go and worship and experience God was set up primarily for the Jew. But Here's the deal. There were also non Jews that would come to the temple. But what happened to the Gentiles? They were left left out. There was this wall of hostility. Like, oh, you are not a Jew? Okay, well, you can come to the temple, but only up till here, because the rest of it is for us. A divided world by Jew and Gentile. But guess what? Jesus has come to destroy this wall. In his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus tears down the wall of hostility. And he makes a way for non-Jews to have a relationship with God. And I don't know your relational, um, your religious status right now, but I'm assuming most of you would not claim Jewish ancestry or a Jewish lineage And so for Gentiles in the room, that's good news. We can draw near to God because Christ has made a way for us. I don't know if you guys get that or not, but that we who once were without hope and without God, we were strangers and aliens. We had no chance Now, because Jesus has come and has fulfilled the law and has died in our place, we can have a relationship with the God of the universe. That's amazing. And though we may not separate over Jew and Gentile, I think the problem is we divide over stuff too. Are you an athlete? Are you not an athlete? Are you pro-vaccine? Are you anti-vaccine? Are you rich? Are you poor? Are you a private school student getting a 4.0? Are you the 19-year-old in the workforce who hates school? Are you from Cornell? Are you from Coe College? Are you from Mount Mercy? You know, it's really easy to divide. But I think what I want you guys to realize is that in Christ, this dividing wall of hostility has been torn down and destroyed. And so you actually now, in Christ, get to share a sense of identity with your peers. And you who call yourselves followers of Jesus Christ, you have more in common with another follower of Jesus Christ than you do with any of the people who look like you, talk like you, act like you, and like the same things you like. Because at your very core, you share this central idea that I am a sinner in desperate need of a savior, and my hope is only in the finished work of Christ. Any of you guys ever experienced this, whereas you've had a lifelong friend, and then you meet another follower of Jesus, and within a week, your relationship with that person is just as deep, if not deeper, than this lifelong friendship? Anybody, by a raise of hands. Okay, I'm telling you, it is true, and if you haven't yet experienced that, Either all of your friends are Christian and have been Christian, and that's a problem when it comes to living out the Great Commission, or you don't have that many true Christian friends. Because true Christian friends get to go deep quick because we share central to us this deep core of our need for a Savior. The other thing I learned from this text is that this gospel message that we talked about last week, we, we love talking about the gospel for us, right? Jesus came to seek and save a sinner like me. Praise be to God. But for anybody that doesn't look like us, talk like us, act like us, when's the last time you thought about their salvation? You see, this salvation story is not simply about you, though that is amazing in and of itself. This salvation story is that God would reconcile to himself of people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. People from across the globe. People in Bangkok, Thailand. That they would be brought in to the family of God. That he is in the business not of just reconciling and restoring you, but all of creation. And so I'm asking you to get your eyes off of yourself. And to understand that this cosmic reality of Jesus reconciling a lost people is about a lot more than you. You are an inch deep in an ocean of grace if you only focus on your personal salvation story. So we see in Ephesians 2 that belonging is rooted in a shared identity. Namely, this identity rooted in Christ who he is, what he has done for us. But here's the problem. We call ourselves a family, don't we? (laughs) And a family is made up of people that have plenty of differences. Though I might share the last name Howell with my brother, he's pretty different than me. He's 6'4", 225. As you can tell, I'm not that. (laughs) And he's a basketball player, and I'm a wrestler. I am a fighter, and he is gentle, (laughs) and that makes it hard, and so what does belonging look like when we have differences? I'm going to ask you, if you have a Bible, flip back, should be about 20 pages to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here the same author of Ephesians is writing to a different church in Corinth. Okay, this is about seven years before his letter to the Ephesians. And he's writing to a group of people in a very pagan world. Corinth was known as like the Vegas of their time, Sin City. And the church really didn't look a lot different than the world around them. They were sexually immoral. And guess what? They were super divided. To the point where Paul, in much of this letter, is addressing their divisions. In in 1 Corinthians 12... He is writing to them to rebuke them for their divisions. People fighting for power status. Like, we're the in crowd. Look how spiritual we are. You're not as spiritual as us. You stay out. You stay back. And in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12, here's what God says to the people of Corinth. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members... All the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. He's using this analogy of a human body. This idea that you all belong to one body. And you have this in common, Jesus Christ. It says, you are all baptized into one body. You share in one spirit, meaning you all have the same sin. You all follow the same Savior. And that makes you what? One. You belong to each other. But the thing is, just because you have unity doesn't mean you have uniformity. Those are different words. Unity, sharing the same identity, the same foundation, does not mean that you all look the same and act the same and talk the same, like the same things. You're one body with many parts. He goes on to say this. If the foot should say, obviously feet can't talk. I don't know if you knew that or not. He's speaking metaphorically here. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body which our presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you, now y'all, You could translate that. Now, y'all, y'all are the body of Christ and individually members of it. There's so much that I could unpack from these verses. I'm going to try and keep it succinct so that we're not here all night, okay? First and foremost, I want to talk to the people in the room that feel insignificant. The people who at the front end of this passage say, oh, because I'm not like them, I must not belong, Because I'm not outgoing, because I'm not funny, because I'm not stylish, because I'm not in school, because I'm not smart, man, I must not fit in. What you are listening to is a lie. First off, you're lying in saying that God made a mistake in making you who you are, and that is not true. You're lying against yourself, and you're lying against God. He chose to arrange the body this way. And so I want to tell you this, you matter. Regardless of your past, regardless of your personality, if you are in Christ, I'm here to tell you, you matter. But on the other side, I think there's a lot of people in this room, I have totally been there with you, who think, man, I'm kind of a big deal. Right? At least... I am extroverted, I'm popular, you know, I'm well-spoken, I'm athletic, I am intelligent. Fill in the blank. You think that your giftings are superior. And some of you might even think you don't need a body because you have all that you need. And I'm here to tell you, you don't. Your giftings are not enough for you. And you're not a big deal. (laughs) Though you matter, you are not the point. And you need to hear that. You are not the point. I've met several people who have said, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm like, praise God for that. We all are invited into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but there is not a single person in biblical Christianity that has a private relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot have a private relationship with Jesus Christ and follow the same Jesus I follow. Because as you read your Bible, you will understand that there is a command to be a part of this body, to be a part of the local church, to live out approximately 60 one-anothers of Scripture I say pray for one another, confess to one another, bear one another's burdens. How well are you doing that on your own? You can't. You can't bear one another's burdens hiding in your bedroom. You are not the point. Which lends us to this point of diversity. Right? Diversity in giftings, diversity in personalities, diversity in skill sets. We see that diversity is not only acceptable, it's necessary. Think about it, just for a quick minute. What would the world look like if everybody was you? You would hate it. Straight up, just thinking about this. If the world all was filled with Jordan Howells, okay? Five foot seven, raging extrovert that never knows when to shut up, loves sports, and is the most random person ever. Here's plenty of my weaknesses, okay? I'm terrible at logistics. Jamie Bradley literally single-handedly makes Salt Company run. Because I'm like, oh, what about this? What about that? And she's just like, dude, no. It's not going to (laughs) happen. I'm terrible at resting. And in many ways, I can make people feel tired just by the pace I interact with them at. And... Let's be real. I suck at reaching things off the top of cupboards. Like, I have to get out a step stool to reach the top of our fridge. I need taller people in my life. Straight up. If the world looked just like you, you would hate it. So you understand this idea that we need people that are different than us. And in many ways, as I think about my wife and how different she is than me, we actually have an amazing marriage because we are different right? She is a homebody. I am not a homebody. And what I need to learn is that it's good for me to sometimes stay home. But if she just stayed home all the time, she would miss out on interacting and with a lot of people and meeting new friends. So we actually draw out each other's strengths and complement each other well. You need people in your life that will do that. Which also lets us know that Our differences are not simply meant to be tolerated, but celebrated. Our differences are not meant to simply be tolerated, but celebrated. And so you might say, I'm an extrovert. Guess what? Guess who you might be good at engaging with on your campus or in your workplace? Other extroverts. But you know who else needs to know Jesus? Introverts. And sometimes an introvert needs an introvert friend. And you're not going to be that. I am not going to be that. We need people that are laid back and spontaneous. People that are like, hey, let's go on a spring break trip to California. And it's like all the planners are like, oh, freaking out, you know. (laughs) They need to get out of their comfort zone. And to the person who's always saying like, hey, let's go bowling. And it's like, dude, it is 1 a.m. You have a test tomorrow morning. You need a planner in your life. You need someone that can actually give you strategy and, like, guardrails, or you're going to destroy yourself. (laughs) We need people that love music. We need people that love arts and books and sports. Because oftentimes, the sports people are more than likely to reach the sports people. And the arts people are more than likely to reach the arts people. And the music people are more than likely to reach the music people. And that's not wrong. God has composed the body of many parts on purpose. And he wants you to use how you are uniquely gifted for the kingdom. But he also wants you to look out and see how people are different than you and to celebrate that. And to love that they are different than you because they actually have missional capacity beyond what you do. We need people in Salt Company Cedar Rapids that are both in school full time and people that are working because we have a pretty unique blend in our city when you think about over 18,000 college age students and not all of them are in school. And so even if you're coming in here and you're like I'm not a college student I took a gap year or I'm not a college student I'm 20 and working it's like we need you (laughs) we need you in the workplace because there's a lot of people your age that are working and are not going to school. And we need you to reach them for the gospel. And here's one of the sweetest parts of this, you guys. Because we are one body, we care for each other. We suffer together and we succeed together. That's what it looks like to belong, to suffer together and to succeed together. And I actually went to school for kinesiology and health. I'm an exercise science nerd, and so... um, Paul starts talking human body, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. You just think about how on purpose this is. Um, anybody ever rolled their ankle before in here? Yeah? Or, like, stubbed your toe terribly bad on your bed post? I've never done that. <laughs> Lying, I have. Okay, here's what happens. You get a terrible rolled ankle, and then what do you start to do? You limp. And then what starts to happen? Your hip starts to hurt. And then what starts to happen, your back is misaligned. And before you know it, you have raging headaches and you're like, oh my gosh, this was supposed to be my ankle and now my head kills. What's going on? Your body is connected. And when your ankle hurts, soon enough, your head is going to hurt. Or you think about the sciatic nerve, okay? It's in between your L4 and your S3 in your back. And when your sciatic nerve endings actually end up getting compressed or degenerate, what ends up happening? It's not just your, your lower back that hurts. It starts to radiate. And gravity does what gravity does. What does it do? It pulls things down. And so it started as lower back pain. It's now shooting down your leg. The body is so connected, you guys. And when Paul is talking about this, it's meant to be a picture of who we are as a community. That when one person hurts, we hurt together. When one person is grieving, we grieve Together. My first year in Cedar Rapids in 2019, I got to see this lived out in front of my very eyes with a group of Kirkwood dudes helping a fellow friend through a mental health crisis. Literally, just a crisis. And these guys were not just like, oh, sucks for you. That must be really hard. They suffered together. These dudes were going over to their friend's house at all the odd hours of the day. I'm saying 8 a.m., 11 a.m., 8 p.m., 11 p.m., inviting this dude into their family's houses so that he could be cared for and that he wouldn't suffer alone. And do you think that that was hard? Absolutely. But what I saw emerge out of that group was a band of brothers, a group of guys that genuinely suffered together and saw good come from it in the midst of a terrible situation and when I think about succeeding together I think about baptism Sunday it's one of my favorite Sundays uh, that we get to do around here at Veritas you know you put a tank here in the middle and every person that's entering into the water is saying I am associating with the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ I am a new creation and what we don't do is we don't just pout. We don't sit around and say, hmm, I wish they would have chose me to baptize them. It's like, no, nobody's thinking about that because all that we're doing is we're celebrating, look at what God has done in this person's life. It's not about me. It's about what Jesus is doing. Or I think about connection group sign-ups, right? We have a lot of connection groups. Praise God for that. And what I get to see many of our student leaders doing is not sitting back and pouting and say, Why didn't people sign up for my connection group? Or why did they sign up for their connection group? Our student leaders are saying, praise God, people are getting connected. And whether it's with me or with someone else, I don't care. I just want people to be connected. That's what it looks like to succeed together. And that's beautiful. That's what it looks like to belong. And so as we capture this this big idea of unity and differences, here's what you need to know. The root of belonging is a Christ-centered unity. You are not less significant or more significant based on how moral you've been or how gifted you might consider yourself to be. You share the common theme that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and Jesus has satisfied your soul. That is the root of belonging, to belong to God and all of us together in proclaiming Christ as our Lord and Savior. We get to have the same unity, the same foundation. But... Though the root is belonging to Christ, the fruit is actually belonging to the body and celebrating diversity. We get to recognize and live out our unity because it's no longer about us, it's about the body. It's no longer about me, it's about us. Is that making sense? You guys, you guys, tracking there? We all have a part to play, and that's great. We all matter. But the reality is, we're all just a part. You have a part to play, but you're just a part. Or you could say it, you matter, but you're not the point. In Christ, our belonging is rooted in a shared identity, but it results in celebrated differences. That's what it looks like to belong, to have a shared unity and to celebrate our differences. So here's a few application points for you. First and foremost, you need to actually ask yourself the question, do I have the same shared unity with the people here? This idea of, wow, like, I too recognize my sin, and I too know Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior. That's the greatest sense of belonging you could ever ask for, to belong to a Father in heaven who loves you not because of what you can do for him, but namely because of who he is, And if you want to learn more about that, seriously, just go back and listen to last week's message on Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Or read that on your own. That God loves you simply because of who he is, not what you offer him. Accept that forgiveness of Jesus. And then number two, address your ego. Oftentimes when we think about ego and pride, we just think of it as like, oh, I think I'm better than you. And sometimes that's the case, but oftentimes ego also expresses itself in thinking that you're insignificant, both of them are focused on self, to say, oh, I wish I was like so-and-so, or look how great I am, at least I do, X, Y, Z. It's like, in both cases, you're talking about you. Address your ego, understand that you are simply part of the body, and begin to celebrate what's going on around you. And then lastly, belong to community. <laughs> belong to community. Don't just come here and be a number. That is not belonging. Belonging. Though I may say, like, come be a part of the family, what I'm not talking about is show up on a Thursday night. I'm saying, be known. Jump into Connection Group. Allow people in on your life. Allow people to care for you. Allow people to suffer with you. Allow people to celebrate with you. But it's not just limited to Salt Company. It's not just limited to your college years. I'm actually going to ask you, Consider what it looks like to belong to a local church. Because one day, you will be almost 30, like me, and you will not be at Salt Company anymore, okay? And you will not have Salt Company. What is waiting for you beyond Salt Company is the local church, which you still have access to right now. And I'm telling you, you need it. You need it more than you know. I think about just in the last year, Literally, like, not even two weeks ago, I'm in a text thread with my connection group, single mom, after a husband walks out on a family, has a flat tire and it's 20 below, and she doesn't know how to change it. Who does that? I mean, who's going to help her out? Is she going to call AAA? Is she, I mean, what's going to happen? No, a connection group member goes out and literally changes her tire for her. I think of close friends who, when we moved here, were struggling with infertility. And they said, hey, we haven't been able to get pregnant. Would you guys just be praying for us as we process it? And our group prays and prays and prays and week after week go by. And almost a year later, this couple shows up to Kineshi Group and they say, we're pregnant. And we get to celebrate this baby boy being born into the world against all odds, and we get to celebrate together. It's not just suffering together, it's celebrating together. We get to see that lived out in the local church. And so begin, I know it's hard, begin to think about what it looks like to know, love, and follow Jesus for a lifetime, not just between the ages of 18 and 22. You're going to need the local church, and a great opportunity for you to get a head start is to belong to a local church now. And I obviously work for Veritas. You're here at Veritas. I would stand behind and say, this is a great place to start. But I also understand that we are not the only healthy local church in the city of Cedar Rapids. There's a lot of healthy local churches here. And I'm not asking you, come to Veritas only. I'm telling you, get plugged into a healthy local church that teaches the Bible and preaches the gospel. You will not regret it. And as we live this out, you guys, here's the deal. You get to experience this, but it's not just about your experience. Again, it's not about you. This is an invitation. Yes, an experience is good. It's good for you to experience this belonging, but it's also an invitation. Think about Matthew 5, Jesus saying, you believers, you church, you are like a city on a hill. You are the light of the world you are shining bright for a dark world to see. And here's the deal, though. They're not just going to look at that city on the hill. They're not going to look at that bright light and say, look how great Salt Company is. Look how great Veritas is. No, that's not what it's about. It's not about us. What do they say? Look how great their God is. Wow. Their God must be amazing for all of those people who don't have a lot in common to come together each week and sing praises. They must worship a great God. Ephesians 3 says, it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is put on display. And so yes, it is for your enjoyment, it's for your good, but much more than that, it is for God's glory. And as we live out belonging, it's not only just about, wow, I'm fully known and fully loved. This is great to have people suffering with me and celebrating with me. There's people on your campuses maybe even in your apartment, in your dorm room, people at your workplace that don't yet know what it looks like to belong. They don't know what it looks like to belong to God, and they definitely don't know what it looks like to belong to the body of Christ. And one of the most attractive things that you can do is live out what it means to belong to God and to belong to one another, to be a bright light in their lives pointing back to King Jesus so I want to just take, take a couple minutes, pray to that end. Uh, we'll sing a couple songs of worship, and then we're going to give you guys an opportunity to respond to this message. So uh, join in praying with me. Um, God, we just thank you uh, for who you are. Uh, thank you that you are a good father. Uh, in Scripture, we read that you have adopted us into your family, uh, that we get to be children of God that we who once were far off, we who once were orphans are now brought near, we're brought into the household of God, that we belong to you. And with that, God, that we get to belong to one another, that we are one body comprised of many parts, that each of us is created uniquely with giftings and personalities and um, skill sets that are meant to build one another up. (laughs) It's not meant to divide us and make us think one group is better than another. It's meant to make all of us healthier. God, it's meant to help all of us care for each other, to celebrate together, to suffer together, that we would not do this life alone, apart from you or apart from your family. God, thank you that we get the great privilege of belonging to you belonging to one another, I pray that you would help us worship in light of that, God, that we would recognize the incredible gift that it is to not do life alone, but to do life as a belonging people. We pray in your name. Amen.